Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, and welcome to the Hostile Work Environment podcast. My name is Mark Alifans. I'm here, as always, with my wonderful, giggly co-host, Kate Bischoff. Kate, she just thinks it's funny when I use that voice for the intro. Yes. How how are you, Kate? Well, I'm not melting, so there's that. How are you? I'm a little melty, a little melty. Um, It's warm, just a little warm. Yeah, yesterday... um, Yesterday, Portland hit the all-time ever, not for the day, the all-time ever (gasps) record for the hottest day ever by breaking the old record of 107 degrees with 108 degrees. Uh, My wife and one of my daughters and I spent the entire day out at the beach, which was lovely. Uh, We stayed in the shade. Uh, oh, and this was a river beach. We didn't we didn't make it to the coast where it was a nice like seventy five degrees, uh, <laughs> but you know it, it was nice. And then opted not to go to the Timbers game last night, uh, where <laughs> even pushing the time of the start back to like eight thirty locally, it was still ninety six degrees at start time, something like that. Today we're supposed to hit, depending on the forecast you look at, we're supposed to break yesterday's record by another four to six degrees. So we're looking at 112 to 115 today. Now, the average high in Portland uh, at the end of June is about 78 degrees. Most people here, by most I mean a majority, don't have air conditioning. Like my house doesn't, you know, I, and, and I'm in my air conditioned office where I've got a wall unit right now recording and I have it turned off because I can't have the noise while I'm recording a podcast. Um, but as soon as we are done recording, it will go back on. It's already starting to warm up in here. It's 920 in the morning here. It's already, I think, well over 80 degrees outside on its way up to 100 and uh, infinite. Uh, and, you know, while Arizona knows how to handle this and everybody has AC and you've kind of figured out your lives, how you never go outside. We don't have that here. This is this is unprecedented. No. Uh, and it's while you can't ever look at any single weather event and say climate change. Bah, this is this is <laughs> this is climate change. Bah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'm so sorry. It's 70 degrees and it just finished raining here. So even though we still have drought conditions, we will still get rain. So it's not nearly as bad. And we had too many 90 degree days, but it's it'll be okay. We're surviving better than most of the country. So yeah, no, I'd, 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 I'd swap. <laughs> Definitely swap. Because uh, we're supposed to get the same tomorrow here too. So Monday, we're supposed Whoa. to be up into the 100 teens again. Uh, this is this is crazy. Is it is it swampy too? Is it like it's super not, humid? It's not as swampy. It's not like East okay. Coast humidity. Uh, it's just here. Here's here's how I would describe it. So yesterday, like sitting out at the beach, and and we have the cool. We have like the cold Columbia River right in front of us, which yeah. is a, a river fed almost entirely by snow runoff. So it tends to be a very cold cold river. Yeah. When when we've gone there on hot days in the past, it's great because if there's even the slightest breeze, the breeze tends cool to be one. very cool. 
uh, on uh, Friday night and again yesterday sitting out, the breeze will pick up. And while you're, you're sitting there, you know, if the breeze comes right off the river, it can be cooling. But every fourth or fifth like puff of air that you, that you feel go by, it's just, it feels like, like an air fryer. Like what, what the inside of an air fryer must be like with the air heated air moving through. It's just, it's just hot. And then because it's Oregon and you're at the beach, uh, every 10th or so puff of air that goes by is pot. Uh, which makes for an interesting mix of hot, cold, and chill. Yeah. And you know, they have to survive. So, you know, do what you need to to get by. Everybody mm-hmm. do what you need to to get by. That's that's the answer here for right now. Uh, so, uh, on that note, uh, let's talk about what uh, a friend of ours, not, not a friend of ours, uh, a government official feels feels like, I don't know, uh, that was a really bad transition. Uh, a government <laughs> official in England did to get by. That's There's the transition. What did he there do to try to go. get by? There we go. So, in your scale of important things, Mark, is COVID restrictions more important than legal restrictions? In scale of important things are coat. So, I, I tend to think of them as often going together, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I'd rather, to, to be COVID compliant, I'd rather still not break the law. <laughs> okay. So, um, But I think they, they, they both times have had their place. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. In the Venn diagram of COVID restrictions and sexual harassment rules, there is plenty of overlap. For example, if you have a please don't have intimate relationships with people outside of your household, that too is also in a work context prohibited by sexual harassment rules and laws. So we've got one. So, so, so this is to double down. <laughs> yes. This is, this is to add further strength to the, you know, don't have intimate relations to you, with your colleague. Uh, you shouldn't be already. Now you really shouldn't. Right. Like there's this, the saying, don't get your honey where you get your money or a potentially deadly disease. Like it doesn't really fall off the tongue that way. But this guy certainly didn't learn this. And my favorite part of this story is that the sexual harassment piece of it doesn't even blip on the radar as the reason for it. Why don't don't you you tell a little bit about what happened uh, in the article that you showed me this morning? (laughs) So uh, Matt Hancock was the health minister in the UK. He works for... Let's focus on that for for the health minister. (laughs) Yes, the health minister, uh, starts having an affair at work. He's a married man, but he appoints someone to provide scrutiny of his work, and her scrutiny involved tonsil hockey. (laughs) (laughs) It's really what it is. So he hires this woman, and they start to have an affair. Now, I am a huge fan of British crime dramas. I have seen all of them, I I feel like. And it's all caught on CCTV. There is (laughs) CCTV. (laughs) 
there's CCTV coverage of him making out with his senior aide that he appointed. And what brings him down was the rule that you couldn't have intimate relationships with people outside of your household, a rule that he had put in place because he was a health minister. And he resigns because of his breach of the guidance against this rule about intimate relationships. And that is the reason why he resigned. Oh, by the way, you were having an affair with your aide. Like, dude, you can't do that. Just a basic premise of employment law. Even in Britain, you cannot have sexual relationships with your subordinates when you are a health minister. So we've got... Or any any kind of supervisor. Still bad. Still bad. (laughs) Still bad. Yes. Still bad. Still bad. Doesn't need the health minister qualification. No, no, no. So, but one thing in the NBC News article, which brought me to both jealousy and, well, just mainly jealousy, was the fact that 84% of the UK have have one dose of the vaccine. And that's not true here and definitely not true in many, many states. Too many states. Uh, are, so. are there any states that are at 84%? I think Vermont is really close to that. Okay. I know they're over right. 80. So I think there's there's a couple on the upper East Coast that are close. But, uh, yeah, no, not everywhere. So I'm, I remain jealous of that. Yeah, they also no. have a wider range of vaccines they can use. Like They're using AstraZeneca, too. So, uh, But I, somehow that's still. I don't think it's an availability issue that, that is, <laughs> yes. accounts for the difference. So, so if you still have COVID restrictions in your location, please don't violate them. And also don't violate sexual harassment rules and laws. So there, that's the fun story to start off the time with. Are you ready to go to a not so fun story? Uh, always. Okay. So about 10 days ago, the New York Times published a very lengthy investigation report into the interworkings of a distribution and warehouse center for Amazon. And never uh, heard of them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Given where you live, like how, how can you not? Hey, hey we are not uh, we are not Seattle here. Thank you very much. <laughs> 5 okay. hours for uh, 3 hours up the road. <laughs> Just 3 hours. Okay. So this extensive reporting um, by Jody Cantor, if you may remember Jody Cantor as the person, one of the two journalists who broke the Harvey Weinstein story. Uh, she has sent me an email once. This I have actually framed it because she's so amazing as reporting on workplace issues, but neither here nor there. Uh, she talked about how warehouse employees are essentially a cog in the big machine and those cogs wear out. There's a large churn through employees, which one Amazon executive described as slowly cooking themselves. Because if you only have an employee who works for you for six months, that additional costs replace that employee, all of those things goes out really quickly. And this is not related to the pay and the benefits that employees receive because they get really good pay. I think their minimum is at least $15 an hour, probably in New York, maybe even more than that. And they get full benefits, which is unusual for a position like this. So Amazon has thrown a lot of what a lot of people would say is the good stuff at folks, but because of heavily 
managed surveillance. Like we, you need to be hitting these marks all the time. Even though those rules have kind of lessened, they still churn. They go through their staff entirely in less than 18 months. Like that's just massive turnover. Just massive. That's crazy. And it's led to this culture of fear that folks don't say when they're having problems, when they loosened, um, leave qualities or leave rules, they, people go on a leave for COVID. Then all of a sudden, because of a breakdown in their actual HRIS systems, if someone goes out on leave, they would get a job abandonment notice saying that you've been fired, which is also really unique because I'm not aware of Amazon buying systems. So it's not like right. they went and bought an HRIS system and then there's an API issue that they and, didn't communicate. Right. And they're like, what, what, yeah, like you guys sold us this product and it has this thing. Like there's no excuse here because I think they do their own in-house. Yeah, they do their own in large part. And I think probably the underpinning of this is – Jeff Bezos, who goes into space this week with his brother, who might not make it home from space this week. Um, he, his the belief, brother? no, 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 <laughs> Jeff, that <laughs> that as humans we expend as little energy as possible to get what we want, and so that it we are expendable. That if you you just get worked out and tired out, and that you know they're just a cog in that machine. And when you look at Amazon's numbers in distribution centers in particular, you have many more BIPOC employees than you do at the ivory towers in Seattle. And so it looks like this huge racial inequity that is an underpinning of how Amazon does its business, which is frightening, quite frankly. Um, and something that is sparked the unionizing efforts in Bessemer, Alabama, even though that was unsuccessful, you know, it's not, I don't know how much a union could change how they, like how the work is actually done when yeah. the benefits are already so great. So right. it's, it's a fascinating kind of expose investigative report. I really encourage people to look at it, particularly if you are in a role in human resources where you're pushing back on the management saying you got to treat these people as human because this is a really good example of an organization that kind of hasn't. And it's led to all of these, at least really negative bad press. Yeah. It, it also speaks to like, they're so big and they employ so many people with that kind of turnover. It's simply not going to be sustainable. Like I, it strikes me that like they have a policy that's like, this is acceptable turnover. We're okay with this for reasons, but mm -hmm. in any particular place where, where they have a, a facility or a distribution center, it might take a few years, but eventually you're going to run through everybody who can possibly work there and you won't have anybody left to keep replacing your workers at that kind of rate. It's just, exactly. it's very short sighted. Yeah, well, there one statistic I think is really fascinating. In just three months, within 2020, when we are in the middle of a pandemic, they hired 350,000 workers, more than the population of St. Louis. They hired like more than the population of true Minneapolis, just within Minneapolis's borders. That's massive. That's huge amount of people that they're then 
you know, quote unquote, going through in 18 months. Like that's just yeah. amazing. Yeah. I was and reading- with no, with no path to like, can I become a manager and then I can become this, like it really is just a churn and burn kind of situation. Yeah. I was, which reading- they could fix. Oh, oh, they could totally fix. It's intentional. It has to be intentional. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I was reading even locally here in the Portland Metro area that, uh, you know, manufacturing distribution centers, they already have high turnover. But when Amazon opened one, uh, a large facility here in, in the Tri-County area, that the statistics for turnover in, in the manufacturing industry uh, tripled just mm-hmm. by one employer. Mm-hmm. It went from like 50% yeah. to 150%. It, like that's just factoring in Amazon. That still includes everybody else. It went up by that much because that's how much their turnover is. And the same is true for the drivers I was reading as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it's just, a, you know, for a company that has can really devote its resources to fixing an issue. Like they, I mean, they have made a huge amount of strides, particularly around environmental issues. I mean, not to where everybody's happy, but they've made some pretty significant strides there. That this issue continues to plague them is really something that they're going to have to well, spend some time and energy on. Once, once they decide it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I mean, I, I just think from what I read, I read that article. I, I, you know, it sounds like for now, this is what they want. And so then it's not a problem to be fixed. I hope they fix it soon. I mean, they're they may litigation be forced costs. To. They may be forced to because they yeah. can't. It, I just don't think the pace can keep up. No, I agree. I agree. <sighs> so what do you have for me? All right. I'm going to give you, I've got three things for us today. None of them are particularly long, uh, which is fine because this room is really starting to heat up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but I'll let you choose here. We have a listener question. We have a listener story. Okay. And we have an explanation from something from our last episode. Oh, I think we saved the explanation for the end. Okay. So do you want... Okay. Um, uh, Hit me with the question. The question. Okay. This is from to, free, to my free my free Britney piece. Hit me, baby, one more time. <laughs> you know, I once proposed that we 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 turn this into a karaoke <laughs> HR podcast, and you shot that down. But here you are. True. <laughs> True. This is from uh, listener and friend Jennifer Thomas. Hi, Jennifer. She says hi. Would you please consider discussing what a conversation with chronically absent employees looks like when the employee is regularly, quote, unquote, out sick? Sure, we can do a certification of a serious health condition, but how does that help an employer? There are some great scripts out there for addressing the issue, but they always end with certifying the illness. And then what? Or (laughs) if the employee does not get a certification and they have sick leave to cover, how do you wade into this issue? Sure, we can say, you're sick a lot on Fridays, but can you really fire someone for being sick a lot on Fridays? We encourage managers to flag the issue so the employee knows that we see the pattern, offer FMLA as appropriate, ask if they need assistance, remind them to follow all rules for absence reporting, etc. But is there anything else? Thank you. Love the show. 
Aww, hey, thanks, you have Jennifer. The, you, you have the solution for this all figured out. Uh, I know this. So what's the solution? If the question is, is there anything else we can do? The answer is no. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you're uh, doing all the right things. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that you're doing the FMLA, that you're asking if there's anything else you can help. Um, one thing that I do quite a bit is ask if a different schedule will work. Like, can we, you know, if you're always sick on Fridays, can we have you work from home on Fridays? Or would, you know, moving you to four tens be better? Or like, like if there are possible modifications to schedule, that's what I would kind of look for um, to see if that helps alleviate some of the issues. It might open another Pandora's box for every other employee, but, you know, something you might want to consider. But yeah, these are really hard conversations to have with an employee saying, hey, listen, we think you're great. Here's what you do well. Here's what you don't do well. But we got to get to where you can do the stuff. And if you're gone all the time, it gets it really tricky. We're going to accommodate. We're going to provide leave where necessary. But if you get past that number, it's going to be really hard for us to continue this relationship. So just being honest about that conversation, I think, is important. Yeah, strong HR policies and procedures uh, of the sort that you're talking about, Jennifer, are the best the best path here. Uh, there's no legal sil silver bullet. There's no HR silver bullet. This, this is tough. Uh, and what mm -hmm. I what I had said to Kate before we started recording when I when I prepped this with her was uh, uh, if either of us had figured out the answers to these questions, uh, <laughs> we would be wealthy enough that. Um, I was going to say that we don't have to do a podcast, but it's not like the podcast. It's not like we do for money. Uh, but we'd be wealthy enough that, you know, we'd be rich and famous. So, uh, And I made the joke that Mark would have air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's fair. It's sort of only sort of fair because, you know, no reason to get air conditioning if you don't need air conditioning until you need it. Right. Exactly. So. All right. Sorry, uh, Jennifer. Sorry, we don't yeah. have a better answer for it's you. It's a but great that's question, really it. though, and I, you know, even though <laughs> we're 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 stumbling over ourselves a little bit to be able to answer with something more useful than what you you've already listed, uh, does not mean it's not a worthy area of consideration and further discussion. We just mm -hmm. there's no there's no easy answer. No. No. Okay. Uh, oh, can I just say one other quick tip? Jennifer, no. if I were you, I would be having this conversation with the employee. I would try to keep the manager out of it as much as possible because managers screw up and say the wrong thing. So the yeah. extent that HR is having the conversation, please have HR do it. Handle it as HR. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. You ready for a story? Yes. Okay. Good afternoon, Mark and Kate. I wanted to thank you for the great content. This is easily one of my new favorite podcasts. I just found this through a colleague when I mentioned I wanted to find some content on employment law, but usually it's incredibly dry. Thank you. Uh, we try. Uh, I really like how well you tell the stories and give HR professionals like myself different ways to look at certain situations that we can easily find ourselves in. Thank you for all the stories. I have some to share under anonymity. As I mentioned, I've worked at enough places with a toxic environment to give you stories for years, but I'll give you one and a half Sweet. stories here to give you some background. I mean, sorry. 
Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I right. said sweet. You have so many stories, yeah. but I'm I'm sorry. That that's a bad I, thing. Sorry. I, we can we can hold both of those ideas simultaneously. <laughs> um, to give you some background, this particular story takes place at a popular call center in Alabama, where my wife and I worked before I got into HR. At the time, my wife was approximately seven months pregnant, but still working as a salaried supervisor and was currently approved for intermittent FMLA for her doctor's appointments. She was starting to have trouble working, fatigue, stress, etc. So we discussed the possibility of her stepping down to be an hourly temporary, uh, to be hour, sorry, to be hourly temporarily and returning to being a supervisor when she returned. She spoke with her manager about this, and they agreed that she would step down on a specific date close to the nine-month mark to go from salary to hourly. Maybe some issues there. Maybe. Uh, you know, yeah, so Pregnancy Act issues, for one. Yeah. And also FMLA, because the position she's going to be leaving is hourly, not the supervisory position. Well, we're, we're, you're anticipating where we're going. This one we haven't okay. prepped. Uh, and okay. <laughs> you're anticipating where we might be going uh, here uh, also. So, okay, but we're going to hourly. Prior to that date, however, she had to go to the hospital and deliver our son early due to complications. She notified mm -hmm. the leave specialist that she needed to go out on continuous leave as she had delivered. Per company policy, she needed to use vacation time to run concurrently with the FMLA, which wasn't much of an issue because she had nearly 300 hours of paid vacation and sick time. <gasps> yeah, that's kind of nice. Uh, we put in her time, but when she was finally paid out, she was paid out at a rate that was not at the supervisor rate, but rather at mm -hmm. the hourly rate. Though she was out on FMLA, she was switched from supervisor to hourly ahead of the agreed date for any change. It is my understanding that any job changes while on FMLA have to be equivalent in pay uh, and benefits. The attorneys that we spoke with were hesitant to work with us, so we ended up moving on. Should we have pressed the issue and or spoken to someone else? We figured it wasn't worth what it would take to move forward at the time. This was nearly three years ago, but I know of others that have gone through something similar, so maybe it can help them. So I thought maybe we'd talk about that for a second, and then, the, then it continues from there. Okay. So I'm with them that this was wrong. It was this was badly handled. Um, she was out on intermittent leave already for her doctor's appointments. So that is the position that she left, quote unquote, left for the rest of the FMLA, even though it, didn't, it was going to be continuous after that point. So she should have been paid her time off the PTO, the 300 hours. Like you really need to take vacation at some point. Um, but the 300 hours should have been paid out at that supervisory rate. It should not have been the hourly rate, especially since we know that the hourly rate kicked in before the date it should have been. So lots, lots of issues here. Yes. I think you absolutely could have had a claim, um, had you talked to someone else. I, I understand the hesitancy of plaintiff's lawyers because it might not have been a big enough dollar amount to really constitute a viable business decision from their part to take the case. Yeah. But it, you could have brought this to the Department of Labor, and they might have been much more interested. Yeah, I think that I think that's all right. Uh, I don't think uh, that you did yourself too many favors by switching, or even talking about switching from sour, sa mm -hmm. at salary to hourly. Try saying that a hundred times fast. Um, <laughs> but as seeing that it hadn't taken effect yet, in particular, 
Uh, I think there is an issue there, though my thoughts were exactly the same, that I'm not sure if a plaintiff's attorney would take it because we're not talking about enough of a gap there to justify their time and energy into the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, Continuing, uh, also, I listened to the episode about promotion by combat a couple of days ago. But honestly, I've seen something nearly as bad at the same workplace when I worked there. While in the front office waiting for HR to sign off on documents to be delivered, I witnessed an HR manager and supervisor arm wrestle for an employee's job. (laughs) Apparently, the supervisor was pushing for a termination, but the HR manager felt that they didn't have sufficient grounds for that level of discipline. So they decided on this method, instead of policy, to make a decision. In case you were wondering, the HR manager won, so the employee kept their job that day. Probably one of the most disgusting things I've ever witnessed in a workplace. If you want more, (sighs) I have plenty of others, from quid pro quo arrangements to supervisors delivering disciplinary (gasps) action up to termination using KPIs. They can't prove are accurate. Yes, 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 send us more stories. Yes, we please. would like that. Uh, okay. Can we the arm wrestling? Like I I'm Sounds just fair. coming out of a Sounds yeah, fair to me. I'm just coming out of a cult yeah, I'm just coming out of a culture audit for a company that has about 110 employees. And one of the things I'm recommending is that they actually have a true HR professional at an executive level, director level, and that they embrace the challenge that HR brings to them. Not that you know, they're just a resource or that they're going to do whatever you tell them to, but HR has to be respected and say, you can't terminate this person for this, that you have to respect that, um, that decision, uh, because it is, it, this comes from years of experience and understanding both laws and also kind of like what the culture of the organization is. If you lose this employee, blah, blah, blah. So the fact that they arm wrestled for it, that employee was not going to be able to stay at the organization very long because now the manager is PO that they have to keep that person and is going to be looking for reasons to get rid of them, to add on to the reason that they originally wanted to let them go. So Oh, it's really gross. I agree. Super gross. Uh, you know, the, my takeaway, uh, I, I don't disagree with what you just said, but my takeaway is that when you are hiring for HR professionals, um, look at their biceps. <laughs> no, no, no. So, okay. So quick super side <laughs> story. Um, so I went on a date with a guy a while ago. Um, because he listed his occupation as professional arm wrestler. Um, and that's why just just because you wanted to know, uh, just because I was curious and this is where things go off the rails. Cause when I get curious, I generally make poor decisions, including going on a date with this guy. So I had questions like what makes a good arm wrestle? He's like, well, it's not your biceps. It's more the lats because you're looking to leverage. And so you want to come from there. So, so if you're looking for an HR person, look at their lats, not their biceps. So, okay. I think I think you may have just titled this episode. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's great. Um, uh, okay. Uh, to wrap up today, do you remember? Well, I'm sure you remember. It was, I think it was last episode, maybe two episodes ago. I read a series of old timey newspaper uh, published yes. reasons for firing people. Awesome. And and one of those was uh, I was fired because mixed 
coffin plate and wedding ring. <laughs> and we were like, what yes. the hell? Like, come on. Like, what does that even mean? Like, I've heard lots of reasons to fire somebody. <laughs> I've never heard of mixed coffin plate and wedding ring. So my, my wonderful spouse uh, is... Uh, she was an archaeology major in college, and she she has uh, what she believes to be an explanation for this. Though before we do that, um, while we were talking about this before uh, we started recording, Kate asked uh, if her love of archaeology came from Indiana Jones. So uh, I asked uh, her <laughs> over over text here. Uh, did your love of archaeology stem from a fandom of Indiana Jones, or just because you're a lovable nerd? And she responded, just because I'm a lovable nerd. Most people who love archaeology have strong opinions about Jones's piss-poor methodology, which is non-scientific. It's non-scientific and steeped in toxic colonialism. Though, mm-hmm. he does, if I recall correctly, she says, shoot Nazis. So, go indie. <laughs> That's what they named the dog. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what they named the dog. All right. So... Uh, she says, regarding your latest podcast, I suspect the mixed coffin plate and wedding ring ex-employee was an engraver. Coffin plates adorned coffins with the same kind of data as tombstones, date of birth, death, Mm. beloved wife, etc. And as I dimly recall from my archaeology thesis back in college, came into common usage in the American colonial communities where engraving soft metals was easier, quicker, and cheaper than carving gravestones, something that was particularly useful for communities where religious practice, summer heat, or epidemics called for quick burial. I have vague recollections of the practice allowing coffins to be reused, burial then happening in a simple shroud, and the plate being swapped out and either kept as a remembrance or affixed to a stone for a cheaper, easier grave marker. I think they got displayed in churches somewhere too, maybe in Wales? Uh, I'm guessing the person was fired for mixing up the wording for the deceased, Jane Doe, 1854 Uh. to 1878, and a bride or groom, Mark and Tracy, June 25th. Given (laughs) that the tiny uh, writing for rings would have been trickier and more expensive, and that the coffin plates, depending on the era, had associations of cheapness, this could have resulted in a particularly pissy wealthy patron, Hence, termination for Mm. an in-and-of-itself-not-too-terribly-grave mistake, pun intended. (laughs) Again, vague recollection from thesis research that didn't even make it into the final product, so grain of salt, grain of salt, grain of salt. Yes, you married a nerd. (laughs) And I am thankful for it every day. Thank you, Tracy, and happy anniversary, you two. Thank you. 16 years, uh, two days ago. So uh, you can our, drive. Uh, we can drive. Our marriage can drive. Yay! <laughs> That's not something to worry about. All right. Um, it's hot. It's Go hot. turn your AC on. Yeah, it's time to get the AC back on. Uh, where can the people find you, Kate? Twitter's K eight B I S C H, or LinkedIn, or Thrive Law Consulting. All those fun things. How about you? Where can we find you? You can find me at Salad Pants on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn, Mark Alifans. Uh, You can also find me at the Bullard Law uh, website. 
Um, please email us your stories, hwepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love having episodes like this one where we have a question, where we have a story, mm-hmm. uh, not because it means that there's less work required for us, but totally because it means there's less work required for us, uh, <laughs> but because your stories are what uh, started this podcast in a lot of ways and what keeps it going in a lot of ways, and we don't get enough of yes. them. Uh, and it's what makes us love doing this to hear what's really happening in your workplaces. Uh, please send them to us. Uh, as you saw today, they can be a totally anonymous, uh, but the, the 15 minutes it takes to write something up and send it to us uh, will make the day of, uh, you know, almost a thousand people who listen to us every month or every episode. Yes. So And really make me happy too. So thank you. All right. Stay cool, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.